Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So very glad to have you with us. A lot of ground to cover on today's program. I, I, I'm not going to talk about this as a separate, let's take phone calls on a topic, but it is one of the most disgraceful things I think I have ever seen. And unfortunately, I am afraid that this plays out in communities across this country on a daily basis. I, I sent out a link to this. If you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620, it is a video that, that you really should see. Now, I can't, I'm not even going to play the audio because there's lots of bad language in this, but it, it's a particularly timely video, especially given that we had what we had earlier this week, the deaths of two police officers, the Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee police officer who was killed while off duty driving home from work, and then the story you just heard the press conference about the heroic Racine uh, police officer who was off-duty in a tavern at the time that a, um armed robber walks in. My understanding is part of the details is the armed robber uh, takes a handgun and points it at the head of the bartender. In an effort to save her life, the police officer jumps over the bar, engages with the would-be robber who then shoots him and flees. I mean, so this officer putting his life on the line to save in this case, the the civilian bartender. Now, why do I bring this up? Because if you think it's easy to be a police officer, you have to see this video. Yesterday, in, in Sacramento, a female police officer, 26 years old, she'd only been on the job for, I believe, about a year and a half. Um, Wednesday evening, she was murdered by a man with a rifle. What happened is, in a particular neighborhood in Sacramento, somebody, it started out as a domestic disturbance call. The guy holed himself up out in this house, and it ended in an eight-hour standoff, but he was in the house firing shots repeatedly. So the police surround the area. A female police officer is hit. She is shot, and the police try to go to her aid. And this guy puts out a withering round of fire, just keeps shooting at her body while she's on the ground so the police can't get to him. They're going to try to run a couple people out to try to perform first aid or whatever. They can't get to her because this guy in the house is shooting and shooting and shooting. Ultimately, what they have to do is they bring in like this armored tank and then using the tank. You know, they're able to get cover to get the officer, and ultimately she passes away as a result of her injuries. So now you have this situation where you have somebody in this neighborhood, in this house, firing round after round after round. You have a police officer who is down, and you have the police trying to cordon off this area. Number one, so they can conduct their investigation. Number two, so they can apprehend the person who has now murdered a police officer. And number three, so they can keep everybody safe. So they're they're trying to establish police lines. Well, 
there is a video taken by, and, and this shows you the absolute brazenness and the lousy human beings that we have in this world. There's a video taken by some of the bystanders. So the police are trying to ask the bystanders to back up. You know, we're trying to secure this area. Get back. And the bystanders are heckling the police officers, challenging them to fight, cursing at them. Now, this is all the while. uh, Keep in mind, a police officer has just been shot. It's an active duty situation. They're calling the the officer who's trying to move him back. They're cursing at him. They're calling him a coward. It is, again, well, this is what I said on the tweet. It is. It might be the most disgraceful thing that I have ever seen. Words cannot express my disgust at what passes for a portion of the community in Sacramento, California. And I will tell you something. You know, if this is the attitude that people have towards the police in certain neighborhoods, I think, you know, and I'm, I, I understand you can't do this, but this might be one where you say, okay, fine. You don't want us in your neighborhood. All right, don't call us and just, you know, allow anarchy to reign. It is one of, again, the most disgraceful and disturbing videos. And what's even worse is that the people that are, are heckling the police, they're proud of this. They're, they, they are taking the video. And then they end up publishing it, and you can see it. I've got a link to it. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. But if, you know, especially in a week where we've lost two law enforcement officers, including one law enforcement officer off-duty shot, um, trying to essentially save the life of a woman in the middle of a hostage situation, to believe and understand that there are people who view the police like these folks do in Sacramento, well, you know, it, it's just almost unbelievable that we have come to this. You can check it out again. It's at Jeff Wagner, 620. I've got the video. When we come back, the Supreme Court comes down with a very, very good decision this morning. I'll give you the breaking news on that. And I want to revisit what was going on yesterday during this program and ask what I think is a provocative question about this freeway reconstruction project. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. In retrospect, could the DOT have done better? Now, I want to back into this topic. Over the over the last you know year or two, since the major reconstruction of I-94 started, where they're widening all the lanes essentially between Milwaukee County down to the state line. And part of this is being done in anticipation of Foxconn opening. Part of it is being done because the work needed to be done. I would say, and my colleague here, Eric Bilstadt, could probably attest that on any given week during the show, noon to three, we will probably have to pause probably at least twice a week for traffic updates because of problems that have happened in that construction area. Now, that is a major corridor for trucks. So there's a lot of trucks that are going back and forth on on that, and you've got a lot of cars as well, and inevitably something happens. So I, I would say one or two times a week, we've got you know some car crash, some delay, something that has happened. So that is not an unusual thing. Yesterday was extremely unusual. If you were listening, you know, about 11 o'clock in the morning, a tractor trailer heading south 
in that construction zone, and if you have driven it, I drove it on Sunday. We were going down to uh, the uh, horse track in Arlington. What, what happens is you have, when you get into that construction zone, they've got three lanes. The three lanes are extremely narrow, though, and they kind of swerve um, in in and out. You really have to be paying attention. And candidly, the lanes aren't marked that well. That would be my impression. But 11 o'clock in the morning, a tractor trailer heading south in the construction zone hits the concrete median barrier. And, you know, you are right up against that median barrier if you are in the, the left lane. The collision pushes the barrier into northbound traffic because you're also pretty much right on northbound traffic as well. The um, tractor trailer that struck the barrier catches fire. Three northbound cars coming the other way hit the concrete barrier that's now been pushed into their traffic lane. Meanwhile, there's a second tractor trailer that's heading north on the busy freeway. So it's coming up and it sees that these cars that have now been hit by the concrete that have hit the concrete barrier that's been pushed into their lane. The driver of the the that car um, swerves to avoid the crashed cars. That truck flies off the freeway and bursts into flames. And if you've seen the, those pictures, that that was that second truck that had veered off the freeway because the truck driver didn't want to plow into the cars that had hit the concrete barrier. Each of the two semi-drivers was killed. The guy coming southbound that hit the concrete barrier and knocked it into the northbound lane and the driver of the second semi who swerved to avoid plowing into um, the cars. They were both killed. Two of the motorists were seriously injured. The crash, again, occurred near State Highway 20 interchange, and, of course, as everybody knows the story after that, the, the freeway was closed. One direction, I think, opened up about 8.30 last night. Another direction didn't open up till like, 4 in the morning this morning because they had to do road repairs. Horrible, horrible story. I will say this, though, and, again, accidents happen, but that stretch of road since this construction has been going on, has, in my opinion, been extremely dangerous. And I say that because, again, you have, first of all, there's no access. The way they've got it set up is if there is a crash, if a car breaks down in that area, there's no easy way to get to that car. So you've got that problem, which has been going on all along. Secondly, the lanes are so unreasonably narrow and swervy that I, I will tell you, when I when I was driving down there on Sunday, my wife is in the front seat and she's kind of going, wow, we're right on top. Be really careful. She was, I, I guess, was like one of those white knuckle sort of, you know, front seat passengers because you're, you're so close to the other cars. You're so close to that concrete median barrier that you have to be paying extreme attention. And, and I'll tell you, some of these trucks, it, they are they are as wide as the lanes are. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand that the roads have to be repaired and widened. I, I get it. But this... This stretch of highway and the way these roads have been constructed and the speeds they have on them, 
I think have posed a challenge to drivers ever since this project started. And is it, okay, is it foreseeable that's going to lead to a, a crash like happened yesterday? I don't know necessarily that. But I guess I sit here wondering, is there something that could have been done differently to make that stretch of road a little bit safer to navigate and easier to handle when the crash occurs, you know, initially. 414-799-1620. I don't know about any of you. Like I say, I only drive that stretch occasionally. But just having driven that stretch on Sunday, I can see exactly how this happened. And, you know, it doesn't, it did not necessarily need gross negligence to do it. I can easily see the semi driver, you're in that one lane. All right, it's twisting, it's turning, you're trying to navigate this. You bump into that concrete thing, lose just a little bit of the control, and then, you know, all hell breaks loose. 414 799 1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, and I don't claim to be a freeway construction guy. But that's been a bad stretch, and I do find myself as a layman wondering, is there some way we could have accomplished what we need to accomplish without without making it as bad and as dangerous and as difficult as it has been? Let's start with Ernie and Franklin. Ernie, you're on WTMJ. Morning. How are you guys doing? Very well, thank you. What do you think? Uh, you know what? I'm a truck driver, and I will not take that highway. I will take 31 all the way down. That is so narrow, it's like you better hold on when a truck comes by you. And I I, I would just do 31, and that's it. Right. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it is, it, it, it seems to me so narrow. I mean, I drive a I drive a moderate-sized SUV, and it seems that I'm in that lane, and then and I'm almost filling that lane. And then, of course, you've got those twists, and you've got the turns. It's got to be a nightmare to be driving a semi. Oh my God! Especially at nighttime or any time of the day, yeah. but it's unbelievable when when another truck by, comes by you and he's going at least seventy miles an hour right. and then some. Right, right. Now, of course, Unreal. I mean, thanks. I mean, now you know the speed limit in the area is, is sixty, but even at sixty, huh? Um, let's see. Uh, Jeff, I work for an excavation company. We avoid that corridor like the plague. Our machinery and trailers barely fit in the lanes, and it's way too dangerous. They should have choked it down to two lanes going either way to make either lane one and a half times larger than the pitiful excuse that they give um, now. Jeff, I've driven that stretch many times, and yes, it is very dangerous. Why don't they work around the clock 24-7 to get the construction completed? Jeff, um, this is from June in Milwaukee. I'm a motorcyclist. I hate that part of the road. I try at all costs to go down to a I try at all costs to avoid that part. People in vehicles always in my lane. It's extremely dangerous, especially when people are not paying attention. Um, 414-799-1620. Jeff, your point is right. There's no access to get to someone in an emergency. If you miss exit 20, you have to drive several miles south before the next exit. It's so narrow and curvy, which is which is one of the things that, that, that contributes that when there is an accident, when there is a collision, that's why it it's always takes so long to deal with because th- there's, no, there's no emergency lane. You can't get to the vehicles that are broken down. All right, we've touched a nerve on this. And look, and I, I'm not trying to pass myself off as a, as a freeway construction expert. I, I'm just saying, as a layman who has driven that stretch, I think it's dangerous as hell, and I, I guess – I'm not necessarily surprised. I'm saddened, but I'm not surprised that what happened yesterday happened. I can envision exactly how it did. Sonia in West Allis. Sonia, you're on WTMJ. 
Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Um, I just wanted to say that I'm a truck driver, and I only take that stretcher road by choice when absolutely necessary, only because I feel like it is a death trap. And I decided right away from the beginning, those medium walls that are in the center are a no-go. Okay. I was waiting for a semi. The semis are supposed to use the left lane only, which brings you right up to that that barrier wall. And I could picture a semi easily going through that wall. Mm-hmm. And I said it for a long time that, that something like that was going to happen eventually. And right. that was right from the get-go. And there's a lot of semis that speed. I mean, a lot. Not just cars, but trucks as well. Right, right. And it's... It, it's, it's a very, very dangerous stretch of road. You're taking your life in your own hands if you decide to go down that road. So when, when you heard the facts of what happened yesterday, the, the southbound semi hitting that concrete wall, the wall then flying into the other lane, you, you're not surprised. You, you can easily see how this happened. Oh, very, very much so. Very much so. Got and, it. I, and it is sad as and tragic as it is. This was, this was an accident waiting to happen. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. By the way, we're going to continue this for one more segment after the news. So if you want to weigh in, because I, I just, I, I mean, I've been thinking about this quite a while. Again, I, I don't, I think there's things you could have done to design it differently, but it would, I think the DOT does have some answers as to why, some answers to some questions as to why they did it this particular way, given that I, I think the, the hazards were kind of obvious. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 58 degrees outside, supposed to get warmer. I'll believe that when I feel it. Phil in Chicago. Phil, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Phil. Uh, I just want to talk about uh, this highway situation. Right. Um, We uh, go up there about every other weekend to go to Door County, and we've been there going through there at 4 o'clock in the morning uh, in rain, and uh, it's just crazy. Been there in the afternoon, uh, crazy with trucks. There's one thing that bugs me about this thing is why do they have signs saying that trucks can use the left lane? Trucks are supposed to uh, use the left lane. Isn't that what it says? Trucks use left lane. Yeah, no, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> anywhere else, truck, you know, the slower stuff gets to the right. Now you got these guys... And a lot of these drivers, they don't know their, you know, what from or whatever. And they use all three lanes. It's like going, you know, when you watch NASCAR and you see Daytona. <laughs> Scrape and paint, yeah. Three wide. yeah. You know, it is nuts. I am, I'm, I've been driving for 50 years, and I'm telling you, this stuff is bad. Uh, narrow, uh you're getting in between a couple of trucks. You're just boxed in. There is no. I tell my wife all the time, there's nowhere to go. You get in a in a you know what show, right? It's going to be a holy hell. Well, and right, and exactly. No, right. Thanks, and that and that. Look, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not signing on to your kick it, to pick it on the truck drivers, but, but I mean, you look at those lanes. Those lanes are so very narrow 
that you know if you're that truck driver you got a real and I'm not saying you're not paying attention but you got to be really paying attention because it's not only are those lanes so very narrow but also you know you're jogging in and out they're not marked very well at all in my opinion I mean you just have to wonder if in retrospect or maybe before something like this happens again you know would it be better to do I can't even believe I'm saying this but do what we did a few years ago when they were doing the westbound stuff you know something like a zipper merge where you lose a lane but at least you've got a little bit more room instead of trying to condense everybody into these three lanes now look I understand that there's no good solution but I I don't I, I think given that layout what happened yesterday, I could easily see it happening again. 414-799-1620. Jeff, after two trips, I stopped using that route. I had a premonition of a truck coming through that wall. Oh, so sad. 414-799-1620. Jim calling us from Illinois. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, right. I'm a limo driver. I drive that back and forth to O'Hare a lot. Uh, I was stuck in that. I was right behind that accident. I was stuck there for two hours. Huh. Well, two things. Number one, those barriers did not do what they were supposed. They're there for to do that. They should have never been knocked into the north lane. Mm-hmm. Either they weren't bolted down good enough, but they're there to prevent what happened. Uh, two, they're too short. They're only three, maybe three and a half, four feet high, and that's not, that's going to stop a car, but it's not going to stop a truck. Right. It's just like if you ever go to high rise, going on, uh, say, going uh, south. Looking at towards the uh, towards the west, sure. the same type of barriers there. You look over the edge. If you're higher than a car, you could probably you, yeah. you could probably go over if you hit it. Those are too short for trucks and not strong enough, obviously, to do what they're there to do. That barrier should be never knocked over into right. the lane. And that truck going south, he went from the far right lane all the way. Something happened with him because he went way to the left lane to hit that barrier. He was in the far right lane. Mm-hmm. So something happened with him to make him do that uh, in the first place. But anyway, the barriers aren't strong enough and not high enough. And like you say, everybody say they're so close. When I drive the, and the, the semi comes next to you, he's only very like a couple inches away, right. but they get right next to you. So uh, yeah, I'm just saying, well, one, the barrier is not strong yeah. enough, obviously. No, they're not high enough, right? No, th- all all of which I think are, are these are all I think valid, valid criticisms and valid comments. And I, I guess I don't think anybody could have envisioned the the scope of of what happened yesterday. But you know, when when you look at it, it, it's not too hard to envision that. And I guess my question is, you know, what what does the DOT do now? I mean, do we just continue doing what we're doing? Or I, and I sure hope not. I hope people are sitting there thinking, okay. We've we've seen that it's been a nightmare so far as far as, you know, an accident or a breakdown in that area. Just doubling back to how we started the segment, I I swear once or twice a week during this, my show, noon to three, you know, we're doing traffic break updates because a car is broken down or there's been an accident or whatever. And it's always a lot worse as far as delays than you would normally expect, in part because cars, just you can't get emergency vehicles through there. there. There's no, I think it's crazy to have no emergency access. But again, I'm not a freeway planner. But now that you know that if you have a, a semi that bangs into that median thing, it's going to knock that concrete barrier into the other lane. I, I think 
I, I think there's got to be people who know more than I do about freeway construction figuring out this is not good. And we, we got to make sure this doesn't happen again, because this was, I think, predictable. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Eric in Eagle. Hi, Eric. You're on WTMJ. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Um, I'm a truck driver myself, and uh, I avoid that area uh, because it is way too dangerous. I guess my my fix the uh, banned commercial vehicles such as big trucks um, until the construction is done. So just have all you would say have you know force all the trucks off on one of the alternative routes and have them go around it, huh? Correct. Um, from the south, maybe Highway Seven from Bryant Road. Uh, you can go down Thirty Six, go down One, um, and even when they're doing doing construction my uh, personal car and the dumps will just put their flashers yeah. because they got dump sand gravel or whatever and that just causes but yeah we um, I avoid that area yeah no thank, I'm sorry your, your phone is cutting out Eric but yeah I mean that's, I, I'm hearing from a lot of people that that's exactly you know that's what they do let's talk to Zach on the west side Zach you're on WTMJ Hey, thank you for taking my call. I'm a straight truck driver, and I drive through that area. But what I want to hear from you, Jeff, is this. Can you tell me after this aftermath and explain to me, I can always hang up and listen, what is going to be the legal aspect from attorneys with the lawsuits that will be filed, and you sure they're coming, of the DOT's perspective and the state of Wisconsin and the design of what happened and as far as the lawsuits, what is going to be the accountability of DOT? Do they have the right to say, hey, it's not our fault. Uh, we were just doing our project. So can you tell me the legal aspect? Well, Zach, I, I, I hesitate giving legal advice on, on the radio because it, it's often complicated. And I also I always cringe when I hear lawyers that do that. So I'm going to pass on that question. There will be, there will be lawsuits um, as to whether or not there's any sort of liability on the part of the government. My, my answer would be, I would be skeptical of that, um, but but again, you know, there's all sorts of different theories. There's limits as to as, as to, there's only certain situations under which you can sue a government body, and again, I'd be skeptical of of that. I'm just sitting here, and the reason we're spending so much time on this this morning is I, I, I'm wondering where we go from here because obviously. That that project isn't close to being completed. I mean, by you know, months, you know, maybe a, a year in some cases. So there's, there's a long way to go. And I guess I just don't want to be having another day where we go through what we did yesterday. And it seems to me that they've got to do something. Now, does that mean lowering the speed limit? I think it's 60 going through that zone. I think that's what I remember when I drove it on Sunday. Does it mean lowering it to 50? Does it mean... I don't know, um, reconfiguring the lanes, like instead of having three lanes, doing what we were talking about earlier, go into that zipper merge, lowering it to two lanes, but but making the lanes wider and easier to navigate. I mean, I think, candidly, everything should be on the table and also analyzing, you know, why was it that that concrete median barrier gave way. I mean, what a nightmare for the people driving north. Can you imagine you're driving in the car in your car and, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you have the, this concrete barrier that emerges in front of you with no chance to change off of? And and let's also let's call a spade a spade. The tr- the truck driver driving northbound, name hasn't been released yet, but he perished in this. That this guy is a hero because what what he did, 
is he made a maneuver that ended up costing him his life instead of just going straight ahead in that semi and plowing into cars that had already been hit by that barrier. He he essentially veered his car off his semi off the road um, in order to avoid injuring the people in front of him. Because as horrible as it was yesterday, and it was horrible, I, I think the, the numbers would have been worse if the semi-driver heading northbound who veered his semi off the road in order to, again, stop hitting those cars, I think the total would, death total would have been a lot greater. That's my sense if that semi would have just kept going ahead. So it, the ball is in the court of the DOT, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about liability. There will be time for all that to be sorted out. I just don't want to see this happen again, and it seems to me – Tony Evers, DOT, this has got to be a priority to figure out what the heck we're going to do to make sure yesterday doesn't repeat itself. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, I admit this is funny. Drew, did you see this thing that the Journal Sentinel did? They took five reporters and they had to race. You see this? Great. Ra- All right. And, I, you know... I, I'm betting that they hoped it wouldn't turn out this way, but here, here's what they did. They said, okay, what's the fastest way to get to one location to another? So they took five reporters, and they started at Burns Commons. That That's that's on the Lower East Side. It's like Knapp Street and Ogden. It, it's kind of where the streetcar route terminates. It's one of the ends. Okay, so they're on the Lower East Side, just a little bit north of, of Veterans Park, but, but up. All right? So And their goal was to get to the public market. 1.3 miles. So they decided, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to test and see how long it takes. And we're going to do different, different modes of transportation. We're going to have somebody walk. We're going to have somebody call an Uber. We're going to have somebody go rent one of those bubbler, bubbler bikes. We're going to have somebody take a city bus and we're going to have somebody take Tom's trolley. And we're going to see who gets there first and who gets there last? Now, Gru, would you like to guess which of those five methods of transportation got the person there first? Maybe the bus? No, 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 Uber. Okay, so we're, we're talking about about 1.3 miles, and and so and you weren't able to order an Uber ahead of time. It's like they had them all five together, and it's like, okay, they sound the air horn, you go. So the, the reporter that called the Uber it took her 15 minutes. That's from ordering to the Uber driver picking her up to driving down to where they were at the public market. Okay, that was Uber. Uber was first. Second, this might be interesting. Second was the the, bub- the bubbler bike. Um, that took 18 minutes. Cost four bucks. So apparently, now I think there must be a station that's kind of in that area. But so it's okay. So that the bike came in second. Third, walking. That took 21 minutes. Took 21 minutes to walk. All right? So, all right. Now, we've been told that the yuppie people mover, the multi, you know, the $100 million trolley, we're going to get people around. Okay, Uber, fastest. The bubbler bicycle, second fastest. Walking, third fastest. Fourth, the city bus. Yes, it was the city bus. The city bus took 22 minutes. All right? Um, and that's one of the reporter. The nearest bus stop was, okay, and of course, you, you had to find a bus that was going to go on that route. The nearest, you know, bus stop was on Farwell and Ogden. So they, they walked to Farwell and Ogden. They caught a bus, 
bus took him down. Bus took 22 minutes to go 1.3 miles. And finally, in fifth place, the slowest way of getting 1.3 miles from the Lower East Side to the public market, you guessed it, Tom Barrett's streetcar. It took 25 minutes. So it took, um, well, how, how, let me see, let me go back here. How fast was it? Yeah, it took 10 minutes longer than the Uber. It took seven minutes longer than the bike. It took four minutes longer than walking. It took three minutes longer than hopping a bus. It's the streetcar fifth. You're smiling. I, I should have known that Uber was going to be first because it's yeah. it's such a variable thing uh, with the driver that you're going to get or whatever. But I've been on some Ubers here in town, and they cruise like they know they know their yeah. way around the city, right. and they and you can get there. I'm surprised they didn't get there in ten minutes. Well, 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 exactly. But I mean, right? And and this is the way people get around. See, the, the people that are going to ride the streetcar. This is that was my point all along. That's how people get around nowadays. Is exactly that. Everybody's got the Uber app on their phone. I met I met a guy a week and a half ago in Shorewood. Um, he's a lawyer downtown. We we had a meeting after work, and I mean I drove. You know when he's leaving, I said, you know, where's your car? He said, no, I, I just I just Ubered. I did, and then right before we left the bar, he puts this in, and I swear, and a minute we walk out, and there's a driver waiting for him to take him back downtown where he lives. But um, for everybody who thinks that this is going to be some like great people mover and stuff, well, um, <laughs> it's fifth. It came in fifth, fifth. Dead last. But yes, by all means, let's spend another hundred million dollars to stretch out the, you know, 19th century technology so it can take, it took longer to take the streetcar than it took to walk. I mean, what, what does that tell you? It took longer to take the streetcar. It took longer to take the streetcar than it took to get a city bus, for goodness sakes. You, you cannot make this type of stuff up. Yes, so not only is it going to be empty, it's also it doesn't take you anywhere and it takes it takes you nowhere slower. Maybe that's maybe that's what their slogan should be. Ride Tom's trolley. It's not going anywhere, but at least it's going there slowly. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Gru, who's producing the show today and always, you realize I'm really biting my tongue when it comes to the Brewers General Manager, David Stearns. You know, that, 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 that the latest thing, well, yeah, may, maybe it would make it safer to extend the netting. And, and yes, we could do it, but we're going to wait for Major League Baseball. Yeah. Okay. Then, of course, you've got this underperforming team, and you've got, and not hitting, you've got a guy who's hitting in the minor leagues, but we're not going to bring him up to contribute. We're going to take a guy who's not a great catcher, but it's a good hitter. We're going to put him at first base yesterday because the guy we've got playing first base can't hit at all and hasn't hit at all for a year. Dysfunctional team. All right, he gets credit for trading for Christian Yelich. All right, but that was a long time ago. And you just hate to see a team that appears to be as talented as this let the season slip away. I understand they're only a game a half, a half game behind the Chicago Cubs, but um, season's about halfway over, and you got to recognize that. I don't know. Maybe you just got to cut your losses with some of the guys that aren't producing. You, the listeners, you, our fans, have really stepped up to the plate. Right before the break, I was sharing that story in the Journal Sentinel about how they took five reporters and they had them go 1.3 miles. And the, the question was, they had five different means of 
public transportation, including walking and, and taking one of those rental bikes and catching the bus and calling an Uber and, and taking the trolley, and the trolley came in dead last. It took you longest to get there. Well, all right, uh, we, we have slogans. This, I think this is where the marketing campaign needs to come from. And as a matter of fact, a, a number of you are sharing these with me on, on Twitter. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of some of these. Uh, Tom's Trolley Folly, the flop taking you nowhere slower absolutely i mean that th- this is it you know we're not going to take you anywhere but slower here's one that i like all right have nowhere to go and not in a hurry to get there take the hop that that, that kind of says it all nowhere to go not in a hurry to get there this is the place to go all right just looking to kill some time uh, don't bother walking just jump on the hop uh, maybe it will get better all right yesterday was a juneteenth day in in milwaukee and and actually it was an uneventful Juneteenth day. That hasn't always been the case, but Juneteenth day was uneventful yesterday. You had a number of people who were um, giving various speeches, including the lieutenant governor. One of the themes that came out of some of the political speeches at Juneteenth day yesterday was a call for reparations for African Americans. The idea of reparations being we, the government, the U.S. government, the taxpayers should compensate persons of color for the effects of slavery. And, for example, a couple of the speakers at Juneteenth Day, uh, the lieutenant governor said, I'm proud that we're talking about reparations in Congress now because a whole debt is owed to us. All right, a community leader, Jeanette Herrera, she stands in front of the crowd and says, if you don't support reparations, we're not going to support you. She then led the crowd in a chant of reparations now. She called for government investment in housing, health care, prison reform, and education to benefit black communities. There was a hearing in the House, and they're looking at uh, taking millions of dollars to create a panel that would study reparations for Well, it's kind of unclear as to what exactly and who the reparations would be paid for. Now, when you talk about reparations, nobody knows for sure. It has all sorts of definitions. It could be, here, we're going to take everybody that's covered by this, and we're going to write a check, and we're going to give them that check. And the check could be for $700, it could be for $7,000, it could be for $70,000. That's one form of reparations. Reparations could also mean, well, we're going to take huge amounts of money and we are going to um, use that, we're going to spend it on trying to benefit certain people of color. Um, That's one of the ideas that's floating around. The other question that comes up with, with reparations is, who gets it? I mean, do you have to be a descendant of, of a slave? Um, or, because, there, for example, there's lots of people of color in this country nowadays that are, aren't descendants of slaves. If you are a descendant of a slave, but you've done all right for yourself, do you qualify for reparations? Oprah, for example, apparently traces her lineage back to, you know, back to the, the time when it's somebody in her family, distant past, you know, one of her descendants was apparently, you know, in slavery. So the question becomes, all right, if we're going to be writing checks, do you write Oprah Winfrey a check, for example? So these are all issues that are out there. Uh, polls are kind of all over the map on this. Among Democratic primary voters, about 50% say they would support a candidate who supports reparations. About 35% say they, they wouldn't. Among the general public, 
reparations is not a vote winner, but but it's something that has a lot of appeal, like I say, to certain constituents in the Democratic Party. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What say you? All right. Is it time to say that, look, slavery was an awful awful time in this country's history it is a blight on this country's history slavery was abolished in the 1860s but nevertheless you know there has been systematic racism over the years do we owe persons of color money or you know something else do we need reparations in 2019 414-799-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line and who, who gets them I mean, I guess that that is the the other fundamental question. You know, who 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 is entitled to this? Who should earn this? Is it all people of color? Do you have to trace your lineage back to slavery? How do you handle this, or do we just stay away? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We discuss in a moment. Congress is having this debate right now. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. <laughs> So glad to have you with us. A number of people who are listening at the start of the show are asking that the the video that I've described is one of the most disgraceful things that I've ever seen. Last night, a uh, Sacramento police officer was shot. Guy holed up, holed up in a house as part of a domestic disturbance. Just kept firing repeatedly and repeatedly in in a in a neighborhood in Sacramento. Police officer was struck. And the the cops weren't able to get to her for about 40 minutes because the guy in the house just kept laying down like round after round of fire. Um, They ultimately had to bring in like a a metal personnel carrier and and then go and, you know, remove the, the woman's body. Um, she ended up dying, removed the officer's body because the guy was just had the hail of gunfire. In any event, there's this video that was taken by a couple people in the neighborhood. The police are trying to move the, the onlookers back because, first of all, you've got a cop who's been murdered. Secondly, you've got this ongoing situation where you have this maniac that's firing out of it. So the police officer's trying to move them back. These people are taking this video, screaming at the police officer, calling him a coward, using language that I can't use on the radio, telling them they're not wanted, get out of this neighborhood. It, and keep in mind, this is in the backdrop of a dead police officer. Uh, the video, I, I it's posted on Twitter, Adult warning, it's got bad language, um, but if you follow me, at Jeff Wagner 620, and the bad language is the people in the neighborhood directing at the police officer. And it's like, what? It is one of the most disgusting and disgraceful things that I have ever seen. Um, you can follow me at Jeff Wagner 620, and I've got the link up there, a number of people asking that. Okay, 414-799-1620. All right, reparations. Is it time for that? Here's a text. Jeff, what about all the others who've suffered from laws? Women at one time couldn't vote, own property, or inherit wealth. Do the descendants of all women get paid reparations? Um, uh, Jeff, who pays? If my family came over in the 1882 Irish potato famine, do my taxes go to it? We were not involved. Um, do families of white soldiers who died in the Civil War or any war to guarantee their American citizenship, do they qualify for a payout? Do we end all social programs for African Americans after we pay the repara- reparations? All fair questions. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, let's see, let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Hi, Mike. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, my question is like reparations. Like these 
we're like none of our relatives today living have anything to do with it. It happened 200 years ago. Well, I mean, I guess in theory, you could trace somebody's relative back to, if you go about far enough, you know, maybe you can find some relative somewhere who owned slaves. Not, it wouldn't be my relatives because my family came over from Germany in the 1800s. But, I mean, theoretically, I, I mean, maybe if you go back far enough, you could find some people's relatives who did, but that's probably not going to be most of us. Sure, but most minorities seem to have uh, stepped up and uh, got, got on their feet and everything, and no one's asking for any money. I, I don't get what this is all about. I think it's just invalid. Um, and, uh, total. total well, well, I mean, thanks for. I mean, well, I guess, I mean, it's. I, look, I, I understand. I'm not going to argue that. There, there isn't race. That there hasn't been racism in this country's history, and I'm certainly not going to argue that there's not racism now. The question becomes, how do you uh, address it? And what about all the steps that we have have taken, you know, over the last hundred and fifty years to to try to address that? Whether it's in affirmative action programs or all the various government spending. Now, at, at what point in time do you do you qualify? Do you say, okay, that that that's reparations? That that's what we've done. You know, in addition to that, and I think this is a valid question: How do you how do you define who is entitled to it? And I, I don't mean to be flip about this, but like I say, Oprah Winfrey. Oprah traces her lineage back to she's a descendant who she says was a slave. Okay, are 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 we doing stuff to benefit Oprah? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Mark in West Dallas. Hi, Mark. Jeff, my my thoughts are this: I, I think reparations I have been uh, paid in full, and it was called the Civil War. Uh, lives were lost on both sides. Monies have been spent. Uh, they have their freedom, and I, I think that's where we're at on this. I, I, I think reparations were paid during the Civil War, and uh, what about what about the what about the racism and the institutional racism after the Civil War, the, the Jim Crow laws in the South, and things like that that you know were were pervasive until the forties and fifties and and sixties. Should should there be compensation for that? I, I don't believe so, only only because uh, a lot of that was determined by people before we were even born, you know, in this generation. So uh, I, I think the Civil War said plenty, and yeah. that, uh, you know, the North fought for their freedom, and I, I think that's that's where it should end. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, if I, I guess, I, I think... Calling the, this, having this conversation and saying reparations, I, I, and and having you know, groups of people organize and saying we need reparations, I, I think I think that's a loser argument politically. It might have a certain appeal to certain voters, but I mean, if, if you're saying to me, you know, do we need to figure out ways to take people who are economically disadvantaged and maybe sort of tailor some government programs to help them out, regardless of color? I think, yeah, that that's kind of the, the answer. I mean, I think you can make a strong argument that a lot of the government programs that we have had in this country, I mean, let's let's you could probably go back farther than the Great Society, but let's go back to Johnson and the Great Society you know, 50 plus years ago. I think you can make an argument that while not addressed specifically to African-Americans, but addressed overall to people who are impoverished, I think you can make a strong argument that that's, 
That's a form of reparations. It's been a form of reparations since the beginning. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Vincent on the northwest side. Hi, Vincent. Good afternoon, Jeff. What do you think? First of all, I say yes, but I'm not losing any sleep over it. The fact is is that uh, uh, this, uh, after the Civil War, uh, slaves were promised 40 acres and a mule and this, by this government, and this government, government reneged on that. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't follow through on it. They just just let it drop. The fact is, is that uh, uh, when when the uh, Japanese were interned in World War II, the fact is they were they were they were uh, 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 they were they were given reparations for for what happened then, and a lot of people didn't weren't involved in that too. And, and all that. The fact is, when when the Native Americans, a similar nation, mm-hmm. they received reparations. A, a lot of people's relatives weren't involved in that. Yeah, they they were well. They they received reparations for their land being taken. But what what form would you envision the reparations taking? The fact is, I don't know. The fact is, the fact okay. is we have to get to the point where this, where this government says we are going to pay the reparations, and then we can sit down and figure out how it how it's supposed to be dispensed to dispense an individual. Well, but but who gets I, it? I, I mean, I, if, if it turns if that translates Vincent into uh, a, a check. Let's say we're going to try to quantify this. You're entitled to 40 acres and a mule, and that value would be $7,000 or, or whatever. You pick a number. I mean, okay. who, who, do we, who do we send that to? Do we send it to all persons of color? Do we send it to people who prove that they were descendants of slaves? How, how do we do that? You have to prove that you're a descendant of slaves. The fact is, I am. I've gone back, and we, my family, and looked at our history. We are descendants of slaves. In fact, we go all the way back to Europe. The, the, the fact, is, the fact is, is that that's the same thing they did with the Seminole Nation. There was a certain, there's a certain part of individuals. They had to prove. They have to prove that there was so much part of part, part of being a Seminoles. The fact is, they have to prove it through their through their bloodline. And that's exactly what we would have to what, do. But I don't know what, how to do what that. do yeah well what do we do then with the um, l- let's take the Harvard educated doctor who is able to do the same thing trans you know um, prove that they are a descendant of a slave um, and that that doctor is making eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year do we do we send them that check him that yes. check uh, yes uh, yes uh, uh, income doesn't matter to me. Well, but if if, if he's been able to achieve that, how has he been a victim? But how is how how have they been a victim of slavery if they've been able to achieve all that? The fact is, this is not them being a victim of slavery. This is not I, I'm not a victim of slavery. The fact is, is that my ancestor was a victim of slavery, and the fact is, is that over the years, through 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 the through the laws laws of this country, uh, through the laws of the country, my 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 people have been at a disadvantage. And so, but but the fact is, no, I'm not personally a, a victim of slavery. My ancestors were, and just like the ancestors of uh, of the Seminole Nation. Their 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 ancestors were the victim. They weren't the victim. Is there any statute of limitations on this, or you think not? No, because this this country needs needs to needs to honor its promise. At least the forty acres and the mule, whatever whatever they figured out, they, they need to live up their live up to their promise that we were supposed to be a free. Free people in this country, and and over the years we have been been with. Well, well, do you discount all the? Do you discount all the the government programs and the hundreds of millions of dollars that have been spent on programs primarily designed to benefit African Americans over the years? Does that not count? 
No, it doesn't count. It doesn't count okay. in, in that. No, I think the fact <laughs> is reparations should be separately and 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 and, and dispersed. Uh, okay. Despite that. Thanks for calling. I I I think you can make a strong argument that uh, again, the 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 hundreds of millions of dollars, probably billions of dollars of government spending on programs designed primarily to benefit persons of color. I don't ha- see how you can simply say, well, that that doesn't count. You know that that's that that's not reparations. In any event. Uh, th- this this issue is on the front burner. It's something that's been kind of talked about in the weeds for a while, but now, I mean, mainstream candidates are talking about it, and it's going to be an issue in 2020. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. Admittedly, this is a topic that is going to get my blood pressure going through the roof. Milwaukee County Circuit Judge Dennis Simple. And I, I remember Dennis back from... You know, when he was just a lawyer, he'd always wanted to be a circuit court judge. He's he's by far and away, he is not the worst Milwaukee County Circuit Court judge. But what he did in sentencing the guy that blew through the red light and ended up killing the off-duty police officer is, in my opinion, at least, it, it's judicial malpractice. And it's why it's why judges in many cases, can't be trusted to do the right thing and why I think the legislature needs to start imposing mandatory minimum penalties. Here is the story of Dante James. Dante James is the guy who, one thirty in the morning, driving at a rate of speed that at least some witnesses describe as being almost 90 miles an hour, blows through the red light on Capitol Drive, hits and kills the off-duty police officer who is on his way home. All right, this is the story of this Guy, Dante Jones is James's criminal history starts in night in 2006, 12 years ago in Ohio, when he gets his first drunk driving conviction, 2006. So keep with me. That is a misdemeanor. All right. Don't know what happened to him. They, they can't figure out what the sentence is. That is 2006. In 2007. James is convicted for possession of cocaine and having a gun as a felon. So that's 2007, possession of cocaine, felon in possession of a gun. Sentenced to 40 months in prison and in and 40 months of extended supervision. So it gets the first drunk driving in 2006. 2007 in Wisconsin, he gets nailed as felon in possession of a gun and possession of cocaine, gets sent to prison. And he's on extended supervision, which is like pro- which is like parole after you get out of prison. 2010, he's convicted of escape and sentenced to sentenced to 90 days in the House of Correction. Right, so that's 2010. So he's obviously spent a period of time between 2007 and 2010 as a guest of the state of Wisconsin prison system. All right. So then, 2011. Convicted felon Dante James gets out and gets convicted of his second drunk driving offense, right? Sentenced to 55 days in jail and has his license revoked for 18 months. 2012, he gets his third OWI offense, and he's also apparently got a passenger younger than 16 in the car. He gets a year in jail for that. So now you have a guy who's been three drunk driving convictions plus a stay in the Huskow for possession of cocaine and felon in possession of a firearm. 
three drunk driving convictions. All right. 2007, May 7th, 2017, Dante James gets his fourth OWI at around, this is what they say, at around 3 a.m. He speeds through a red light on North 10th and West Capitol Drive. All right, that's right down the street from where we are now. Blows through a red light, 3 a.m., sound familiar? Crashes into a tree. He suffers severe head injuries in the crash and was in a coma for five weeks. A blood draw revealed a blood alcohol concentration of .278. Now, the legal limit for intoxicated driving is .08. So this is more than three times what is considered you know, evidence of intoxication in Wisconsin. Blind drunk. Three-time drunk driver blows through the red light slams into the tree and on top of that it's not like he's a model citizen again you know this guy the guy is a criminal period uh police also found marijuana in the chevy malibu nearly a year later nearly a year later um he pled no contest to the owi offense the journal sentinel story says he says no memory of the crash well yeah you're you're blind drunk you drove through the red light you hit a tree yeah he's got no memory of it milwaukee county circuit judge dennis simple sentenced james to two years in prison and two years of extended supervision so okay now i understand you're, you're doing the math now you say all right he he was drunk blew through the red light may of 2017 it took a year for him to plead guilty, he gets two years in prison. Okay, he pleads guilty in 2018. Why is he out on the street in June of 2019? Well, that is because Milwaukee County Circuit Judge Dennis Simple, who sentenced him to two years in prison and two years of extended supervision, suspended the sentence. Suspended the sentence in favor of three years probation with a host of conditions. Sentenced to two years in prison. The maximum penalty, I think, was six. Sentenced to two years in prison. Sentence suspended. And we'll put you on probation. But we're going to have all these conditions. Like, you don't have a driver's license. Your driver's license is revoked, you know, suspended, whatever. You know, if you drive, but you don't have a driver's license, of course, you've got to have an initial interlock, et cetera, et cetera. So, sentence suspended. But don't you do anything wrong, because if you do, it would trigger imposition of the prison term. Driver's license revoked for three years. If he got it back, he'd have to stall ignition interlock that would prevent his car from starting if more than a trace of alcohol was detected. So, here... Here you have a guy that should have been in prison, but was not put in prison, was given a suspended sentence, which in my opinion, especially given the fact that this is a fourth offense drunk driving and the guy's got a criminal history on top of it, why in the world would you send him back out on the streets? But it gets even worse. And we talked about this the the other a day. And, and by the way, as part of this suspended sentence, he had to serve some time in the House of Correction with work and treatment release and to do some community service. All right. So time in the House of Correction, period. All right. It, then, then it gets worse. 
So here you have somebody who now is gotten his wrist slapped. He's on extended supervision. Don't do anything again. And by the way, you don't have a license. You can't drive. You're not allowed to drive a car. And if you drive a car, you're supposed to have an ignition interlock, all this type of stuff. So he's out on the street. June, April 28th, and we talked about this yesterday, April 28th, in the area where he hit and killed the off-duty police officer earlier this week, he gets a ticket for speeding. So he he's speeding in a car. He's He's not supposed to be driving. He doesn't have a driver's license. He doesn't have an ignition interlock. He gets stopped for speeding, and... They send him on his way. They apparently gave him a $10 ticket for un- for not having insurance, to which I would say, no kidding, he doesn't have insurance. Who's going to write this guy an insurance policy and have a driver's license? But he gets stopped for 107 and gets. then ultimately they decide to apparently um, send him a $174 ticket. Um, that wasn't sent out till June 13th based on this April 28th speeding charge, which kind of makes me wonder about some of the, the timing of this. But, I, you know, who knows? But but he gets stopped for speeding. Fourth time drunk driver on probation, and he's just sent on his merry way. And then, of course, you know, we know what happens earlier this week. One, one thirty in the morning, he's driving. They haven't issued the formal charges yet, but it, at my guess is he's probably drunk out of his mind again. High rate of speed, blows through a red light, and this time, instead of hitting a tree, he hits a vehicle driven by this off-duty police officer. He should not, and this is one, and look, I understand hindsight's twenty twenty, but this isn't that close. This guy should not have been out on the street. Now, one of the reasons why I don't want to pick too much on Milwaukee County Judge Dennis Simple is because... Simple's sentence is probably not out of line. Journal Sentinel has a story saying, oh, this is this is kind of common. You know, fourth offense drunk drivers. It's not unusual to do something like this with them. And you know what? That story's right. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is time for the legislature to get legislature to get off its collective butt. And recognize that if we're going to have judges that aren't going to, in my opinion, do the right thing, what we need to do is start imposing mandatory minimum sentences. Let's take it out of the hands of judges. Probation work release for a fourth offense drunk driver is absurd. Now, we can argue about whether what the mandatory minimum penalty should be. I would argue probably at least two years least two years. This guy had gotten a two-year sentence. He wouldn't have been out on the street in a position to do this. That's number one, mandatory minimum sentencing. And don't even get me started on the whole situation where he gets stopped for speeding with this record and nobody does a damn thing about it. I mean, how how can you just send him on his way um, after speeding when he's got no driver's license, you know, he's on paper for, you know, a fourth offense drunk driving. You catch him, and then we just send him back to go have some more drinks and blow through a red light. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I know this is the third day in a row we've talked about it. I don't mean to sound like a broken record on this, but but this can't be allowed to continue to happen. And if judges aren't going to send these people to prison because they don't want to upset the defense attorneys or they got to run for election or whatever or they want to be liked, it's time to take it out of the hands of the judges. 
and just to say, fourth offense, drunk driving, you go to prison. And, yeah, maybe that means we need to buy, build a few more prisons. But you know what? What happened to this officer could have happened to you. It could have happened to me. could have happened to your spouse. could have happened to your kids. And it's time we say that we're not fooling around anymore with these repeat drunk drivers. I'm not talking about the guy that has too many beers at a fish fry one Friday night, gets stopped and learns his lesson. I'm talking about guys like this one who did not care, did not care that they were putting other people's lives in jeopardy. We shouldn't give them a position to get behind the wheel of a car and kill somebody else. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I have a text from a Milwaukee police officer. Jeff, I'll be honest, MPD doesn't take traffic seriously enough. If you're not a motorcycle officer, an officer would, if an officer would bring somebody in on arrest for traffic, you'll be tied up for two hours. It would look as though you're, I'm trying to avoid assignments on the street. You know, plus, when I came on the job 18 years ago, revocation would be an officer to the court. Instead, now it's handled by a liaison officer. And I, and, and, I, I get it. I understand that there's lots of crime that's going on. I, I appreciate all that. But at the same time, here's a situation where a guy shouldn't have been on the street a, a, at all. The system completely screwed up. And in this case, the system, in my opinion, was the judge. I don't mean to pick too much on the one judge because, like I say, this is not an unusual sentence. Other judges would have done the same thing. Happens to be Circuit Judge Dennis Simple, who let this guy out with what I think was a slap on the wrist. That's why I say let's take the discretion away from these judges. Fourth offense, drunk driving, three years mandatory minimum. And then the word gets out. So you know after you've gotten your third drunk driving, if you get caught again, you're going to prison. What's wrong with what is wrong with that as a concept? Because clearly we can't trust judges to do the right thing. Let's start with Rob in Two Rivers. Rob, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. The crimes and the punishments don't add up together. The punishments are a joke, and people are not afraid of them. So why not make the punishment so scary that maybe you never even get to get that punishment? Mm -hmm. You're just afraid to be punished that badly. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And and we're not going to play this game of judicial roulette where, you know, uh, you, you depending on what judge you get and what county you get nailed for, get nailed for your fourth offense drunk driving, it, it's going to vary. Now, don't get me wrong, Rob. I wouldn't – when I talk about mandatory minimum sentences, it means exactly that. You, you know, you know that you're going to be going to prison for two years or three years. Now, if the judge decides, you know what, that's not enough, the maximum penalty is six years, I've got no problem with the judge giving – somebody six years but everybody knows that this this is the cost of poker after you've accumulated a couple of these drunk driving situations you get behind the wheel of a car you're drunk again boom you're going to prison you're not going to pass go and wouldn't we be better off because the truth is now there's an off-duty cop who's dead uh, but it could have been anybody and now this guy's probably going to be in prison for the rest of his life wouldn't it have been easier to give him a couple years and maybe maybe get his attention so he didn't do this Absolutely, you gotta you gotta punish them enough where their eyes at least open and maybe something changes. I was driving to work this morning. I saw somebody driving with his knee and typing on his phone with both thumbs, not even looking up. Right. He's got. It's no different than drunk driving. It's an attentive period. Yeah. Well, I don't want to. Yeah. And thanks. I mean, look, I, I don't want to go too far afield because I, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say, okay, we we should lock up everybody that's. 
I don't know, trying to put makeup on, you know, while, while they're behind the wheel of the car or, or eating a McDonald's hamburger or whatever. I got a McDonald's story I might tell later on today. Um, my friends who own McDonald's probably won't like it, but it wasn't one of their McDonald's. In any event, but I'm not saying that anybody who's doing it, you know, anything attentive driving needs to go to prison for three or four years, but you look at this guy's rap sheet. You look at this history. You knew this man was a dangerous accident waiting to happen. And what's the penalty? Well, we're going to send you to the House of Correction for a year, and then we're going to put you on strict probation, but there's nobody to follow up on the probation. Nobody pays any attention to this at all. Let's talk to Paula in Milwaukee. Paula, you're in WTMJ. Hi. Um, this this situation hits real close to home, real close to home. I, um, me and my uh, family were going up to Shawano, Wisconsin for a uh, vacation. My husband was in front of us with the motorcycle. We were behind him, me and the kids. Ten minutes away from our destination, a four-time drunk driver hit him in front of us, killed him instantly, and then hit us head-on. And um, he died that night, too. He was a four-time drunk driver. Four, he had four OWIs in four years. He got 14 months. He was let out in nine months. It's a slap in the face. You mean he, 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 was let let out, out. he was let out in nine months for the fourth offense before what happened to, to you and your husband? Yeah. yeah, and I, I believe that the judges should have a report card. I really do. Mm-hmm. So they have to explain why. What was the reasoning, you know? Well, what could be there? I mean, there's no justification for it. How long ago did this happen, Paula? It was three and a half years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I assume I, I assume that the man who hit and killed your, your husband and then hit you, I, I assume he was drunk that time, too. Did they do? I assume they did toxicology. Was, that would have been his fifth, yes. He was drunk. He was over three times the legal limit. Oh, my God. I, on the fifth time. And... It's an, it, it's ready to happen, you know. I mean, what happened to the second, third, fourth, you know, and mm-hmm. Jim Ott is doing a wonderful yep. job of trying to, you know, help with the laws. He's getting, getting two of them passed. I mean, the fine for your first-time drunk driver, drunk driving is actually not been changed for yeah. 35 years. Well, so there, just, well, and, and you know, the, the problem is, and you're right, Jim, Jim Ott and Alberta Darling and a couple others have been leaders yeah. on this, but as a general rule... There's just and it, it's not a it's not a Republican or Democrat thing for whatever no. reason in Wisconsin we are hopelessly soft on repeat drunk drivers and and maybe it's the tavern league maybe it's the restaurant association maybe it's there but for the grace of God go I but you know I, I Paul I'm, I'm so glad you called in and I'm so sorry I don't know what to say because. This, this hap- my guess is that there are unfortunately probably countless people who have stories similar to yours where somebody that should should not have been out on the street nine months for a convicted four time drunk driver is an insult to all the rest of us. And he was on probation, but honestly, no. nobody's watching. Them. No, of course not. Nobody's no. watching them. So no, nobody's checking up on them because they're too bogged down with their. Right the system and right. stuff. So, no, right. You're right. Nobody's watching him. The guy that killed the off-duty police officer was stopped a month and a half ago for speeding. Uh, he's not supposed to be driving. And you know, he was just sent on his way. Sent on his way. Um, Paula, yeah. thanks, thanks for the call. I, I am, I'm, I'm very sorry for your loss. And I, maybe by talking about these things, we, we can wake some people up. But I, I'm not optimistic. Well, can I just say just one more thing? Sure. You know, um, I found out through all of this that People actually, I think it's in Mequon, um, 
it was found out that some of the people going to court for their convictions and stuff are are calling in like they can't make it those days when hard judges on. Yeah, so they're trying to know, judge so they, shop. Yep. Yeah. No. I, wow. No, wow is right, wow. Paul. No, so that's I mean that's why the answer. Take it out of the judges. Don't let them decide if they're going to put some dangerous repeat drunk back on the street to kill you or your family. Mandatory minimum sentences. Will it stop all the repeat drunk driving? No, but you know what it is? It's a good start. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, I have taken to the Twitterverse to solicit your, your input because I, I really can't decide. The, we talked about this you know earlier in the last hour. Journal Sentinel, I give them credit, they take five reporters and they say, okay, we're going to try to cover about 1.3 miles on the east side of Milwaukee. How, how can we do it? And they choose five methods of transportation. Uh, the, the rental bikes, the bubblers, that's what they call them, and the bus, and walking, and Uber, and the hop. Five methods of transportation. The, the trolley, Tom's trolley, comes in dead last. Comes in dead last. You can walk. You can get one of those bikes. You can take a bus and get there faster. So I, I am seriously, and I just put this out on, on Twitter, I can't decide which slogan that I want to adopt for the, the flop moving forward. It's either going to be, and I want your input, so I sent, just sent out this tweet, and you can follow me at Jeff Wagner 620 The hop, getting you nowhere slower, or have nowhere to go and not in a hurry, no, have nowhere to go and not in a hurry to get there, take the hop. Now, I, I think either one of those kind of like sort of great marketing ideas. So if you follow me on Twitter, I would appreciate uh, your feedback on this. I want to update you on a Supreme Court case that came out this morning, which talks about something that we have talked about in various iterations over the last couple decades that, that I have been on the air. There's this, this whole doctrine that you hear about the separation of church and state. That is not a phrase that is in the Constitution. It's not. It's a court-created phrase. The Establishment Clause, the First Amendment Establishment Clause, says that, you know, government shall establish no religion. And what's happened is, over the years, a number of courts have been called on to interpret what what that means. And some courts have decided that, despite the fact that we are a, a Judeo-Christian nation, that there there can't be any interaction of of secular and non-secular activities. I have always believed that's fundamentally wrong. And there's been a number of cases that I have been hoping over the years the Supreme Court would take. Here is one, and it was just decided today, and I, I think it's a big one. It, it involves it involves what's the, a cross in Maryland. It's called the Bladensburg Cross. Here, here's here's the deal. In 1925, what happened is you had a number of of people who a, a community group who back in 1925 decided that to memorialize members of this community in Maryland who lost their lives in World War I, what they would do is they would build a cross-shaped memorial. And so they built this, it's, it's granite, it's concrete, they built this big 
cross-shaped memorial on this intersection in a Maryland county that's kind of right outside of, of D.C., and it's been there since 1925. It was paid for by local families, businesses, and the American Legion. Again, it's designed to honor 49 World War I veterans from Prince George's County. And it, it's called the Bladensburg Cross. It's also referred to as the Peace Cross. All right. In 19, I believe, 61, the, the, the community, the, the county, took over the area where the cross sat and now it sits on a busy highway median strip that's owned by the state of Maryland. So the state of Maryland pays for its maintenance and its upkeep and things like that. It was originally private land. Now it is public land. Did I mention that this cross has been there for 95 years? Well, what happened is a couple years ago, some of these pathetic atheists, um, the American Humanist Association, um, and this is a group that's, that's one of these serial filers of lawsuits. They decided that they were offended by the fact that you had this peace cross that was sitting on this median strip in, in public land. And th- they sued, saying that this is an unconstitutional, it's a cross, and it's an unconstitutional effort to try to promote religion. Now, a district judge a couple years back said that this is ridiculous. Yes, to some people, a cross has a religious significance, but to other people, it, it serves as a memorial. It's not necessarily exclusively religious, and and that's not what this was intended to do, be. This was a cross as a memorial. You had a circuit, a U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, that overruled the judge's decision. Said, "Oh no, no, this is this is this is terrible. Um, you know, this this is placing Christianity above other faiths. Um, and and this would be an insult to to anybody else." Well, the Supreme Court took this case and they came down with a decision today, a seven to two vote, which means two of the liberal members of the court voted with the conservative majority. Seven to two vote said, "No, no, this is." First of all, they said that it, it's it, it's linked to a World War One sacrifice. The cross had been there for ninety five years without controversy. The cross cannot reasonably be understood as a government effort to favor a particular religion or promote religion. It's it's a memorial for the fallen dead. Saying again that you know crosses can mean different things to different people, but just because it's a cross that doesn't automatically mean it is an endorsement of Christianity. In other words, Supreme Court by a 7 to 2 margin says no problem the peace court priest cross can stay. This is significant because there are a number of other cases sitting around across the country, one big one out of San Diego, a couple others, where you have a number of these atheist groups, you know, the anti-religion folks who are going around trying to pick fights legally and going after communities who have these various memorials. Well, Hopefully, this will come to an end. This is a very, very good decision. It is a decision that makes a ton of sense, and the Supreme Court decided today. So this isn't to say that you couldn't come up with a situation where erecting crosses on public land might cross the line. In this particular situation, though, you have a cross that is clearly a World, it's a world War I memorial in the shape of a cross 
that does not interfere with the establishment clause of the Constitution. It's a common sense decision, and it's why we should be glad that we have the Supreme Court made up of who the Supreme Court is made up of. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but first, Melissa Barkley, we've got another traffic problem. Yeah, there's an incident on 94 northbound at the Rawson Avenue exit. The two right lanes are blocked due to an incident along the highway. This just popped up, uh, you know, and again, this is going to take probably at least a couple hours to get fixed. It is an incident along the, the highway. Traffic incident, 94 northbound at Rawson Avenue exit. Two right lanes are blocked due to an incident along the highway. We'll keep you updated as soon as we know more information right here on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We are back. Let's see. Here's uh, interesting. I don't want to double backtrack, but Tony on the south side, to one of our previous points, says in the city of Milwaukee, if you get pulled over and have no driver's license, it's a $124 ticket, and they send you on your way, which is what happened to the guy who subsequently got drunk, blew through the red light, and hit and killed the off-duty police officer. He does say, though, if you get pulled over in Greenfield, Greendale, Oak Creek, Cudahy, Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department, you get the same ticket, but they also tow your car and impound it as well. Why can't Milwaukee do that? Fair question for the police chief or for the mayor or for aldermen as well. Why, when you get somebody who you stop for driving with no license, why do we just send them on their way? Interesting question. All right. I'm not a particular fan of Joe Biden. I've said this on the air. I think Biden has the best chance of beating Donald Trump. I I think if, if the Democrats nominate somebody on the far left, an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders or someone like that, I think I don't think that's where America is nowadays. And I understand some people don't want to hear that. But I I think I think a centrist Democrat has a better chance of beating uh, Donald Trump than somebody who's, you know, an avowed socialist. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. But in any event, Joe Biden, even though he might be objectively the, the, the candidate most likely to win, He's a candidate that a number of Democrats strongly oppose. He's not liberal enough. He's a guy. He's older. You know, it, it's none of those characteristics. You know, he's white. Let's be honest. I mean, it's all those different factors. And you've got a number of constituents in the Democratic Party. He's not He's not liberal enough for us. You know, it's another, it's another one of these old white guys. We want to move on. All right? So there's a lot of long knives that are out there going after Biden. And if you're a conservative, it is kind of interesting to sit and, and watch the way that the front runner is being attacked. There was a story today. Um, my wife had it on television, and, and maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. About you know, did, did Biden's son trade use influence peddling to get a job working for as a lawyer for foreign governments? I don't I don't know about that type of stuff. But here's here's one of the things that Biden is being attacked for. Biden has been in the Senate forever. I mean, he's, he's been there since the 70s. So he's got a lengthy record. He's at a fundraiser the other night, and he's talking about the need to get along, the need for civility. You know, and he's going back. He says, you know, when, when he, the point he is trying to make is when I was in the Senate, you know, back in the 70s, there were all sorts of people that I, I, did, I did not agree with. 
They were mean, nasty SOBs. But you know what? We were civil to each other, and we got along. That's the point he's trying to make. And he says, you know, we, we need to be able to reach a consensus under our system. Okay, that's – and I, I think – I don't know that that's a point that anybody should be disagreeing with. But here's what he says, and this is what gets him in trouble. He says – I was in a caucus with James O. Eastland, who was a cons- a conservative Democrat from Mississippi, all right, who was you know one of those old style Democrats from Mississippi. No, no segre- you know n- segregation now, segregation forever. And he says I was also he, he said so I'm in this caucus with James Eastland. He, he never called me boy, but he he always called me son. And he says, I was also in a caucus with Herman Talmadge of Georgia, Democrat, again, segregation now, segregation forever. And he says, Talmadge was one of the meanest guys I ever knew. You go down the list of all these guys. He says, well, you know, guess what? At least there was some civility. We got things done. We didn't agree on much of anything, but we got things done. We got it finished. But today you look at the other side and you're the enemy. You're not the opposition. You're the enemy. We don't talk to each other anymore. Okay, so that's what he says. He says, I'm in this caucus. These guys are the Southern Democrats. We don't agree on anything. They're mean SOBs, but we were civil to each other, and we were able to get along. That's the point he makes. Well, into the fray jumps a number of Democrats, including Senator Cory Booker, who's trying to gain traction with his campaign, and he's one of two black candidates running for president, and he rips on Biden, saying he's wrong to use segregationists as examples for bringing the country together. Um, Bernie Sanders then jumps on board and says, um, yeah, Biden should apologize for this. Kamala Harris, who is also black, said, if those men had their ways, I wouldn't be in the United States Senate and on this elevator right now. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I'm not going to carry water for Joe Biden at all, but it is interesting to me to see how how through the looking glass we've gone. He says, hey, I, I worked with these mean SOBs. They didn't agree with me on anything. These were, you know, down and out segregationists. But you know what? We were civil to each other. We were able to get along. And now he is being accused of I don't know what um, and told that he should be apologizing. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm sorry. I don't think Biden has anything to apologize for. And if this is going to be the nature of the attacks, it just really tells you that it's going to be an awfully long year and a half. Should Joe Biden apologize for saying, hey, I could work with anybody? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, it is true confession time. All right, and my 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 wife watches what I eat, and and her her point is, and it's kind of irrefutable. She will say, "I, I waited all my life to find somebody like you, and I'm not losing you." So, and what can you say? So it's like, don't eat that, don't eat that, etc. And and I I'm trying, I'm trying to eat healthier, lose a little bit of weight, all that type of stuff. And there, there's some things that I'm just, I know I'm not supposed to do. But you know, sometimes I, I've I've largely eliminated sweets from my diet, for example. And I'm I'm trying to make a conscious effort to eat healthier. All right, one of the things I'm not supposed to do is I'm not supposed to go through fast food lines. I I'm, I'm supposed to avoid fast food because i mean look, i don't think there's any problem with it in moderation but but you know that that's the idea no 
All right, so here's a confession. And if, if you know my wife, don't, don't tell her about this because she doesn't know this story. All right, this is just between us. All right, so, so yesterday, I, I, I didn't get breakfast. I didn't have anything to eat. We were going to go out to dinner. We were supposed to go out. I was told we were going to go out to dinner with friends like 6 or 6.30. So I get off the air at 3 o'clock, and I'm hungry. I haven't anything to eat, and there's no junk food and stuff in the house. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm hungry. If we, if we don't go out till 6 or 6.30, that means we're not going to get served till 7.30. I'm hungry. So I decide I'm going to stop off. At a fast food place, I'm going to go through the drive-thru. And it's, it's a McDonald's. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hide this story. It's a McDonald's. And I said, I'm going to go through this McDonald's, and I'm going to get two hamburgers and order fries. That's it. Two hamburgers and order fries. That will tide me over till we, we go out. Okay, so that's my plan. So I pull in, get off the freeway, pull into the drive-thru, go through, you know, order my two hamburgers and my order fries, pull up, give the guy the money. And he says, okay, um, it's always a bad sign. He says, all right, um, the reserved lane number one, reserved parking space number one. This points me there. And I kind of say, you're not going to forget about me, right? Yeah, reserved parking spot number one. So I pull into the reserved parking lot spot number one. Um, it is, I, I know what time it was because I've got the digital clock, and I got off a little bit early because there was a Brewers game. It's 3.01. So I'm in the reserved parking spot number one. Then I see the car behind me pull into one, and the car behind them pull into another one. And I'm I'm sitting and it's 3.05, nothing. 3.08, I see a, a McDonald's worker come out, and he's kind of like looking around at these different cars. And he comes up to mine and says, sir, what, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I said, well, I, the guy told me to be in the reserve parking space. Well, how long ago was that? Now, this is all not a bad, this is not a good sign. And I said, well, it was about seven or eight minutes ago. Then he goes over, and he's having the same conversation with the guy in the car on the other side and the woman in the car on the other side. So... Complete and total confusion. And he says, what did you have? I said, I had two hamburgers and order french fries. Then he goes back in. All right, so now it's like 3.08. Well, another four or five minutes pass. It's now 3.10, 3.11, 3.12, and nobody has come out of here. So now, I mean, of course, the whole key to fast food is you need it fast. Now it's 10 minutes, and, and I'm trying to decide what to do here because I do have other things to do this afternoon. I, I don't. I'm not supposed to have the hamburger and fries anyways, and they're clearly hopelessly screwed up at this McDonald's. So I'm trying to decide what to do. Do do you get out of your car? Do you go in and say, where's the hamburger and fries, et cetera, et cetera? I said, okay, I'll give it another minute or two. Nothing happens, and and this is my bad. I left. I, I just I, I walked away from $3.13 or something, but I, I just left because I wasn't supposed to be having the hamburgers and fries anyway, so I, I didn't get it. But I, I do leave with this thing saying, well, maybe at least I've gotten a radio story because it's hopelessly screwed up. And then I saw the woman behind me, you know, who'd been waiting for just as long. She pulls out and she's following me out, too. So at least at this particular McDonald's, well, they probably made the food. I, I don't know if they made the food or not, but they they were hopelessly lost on this. And I think my reaction was kind of, OK, well, this tells you never go back to this particular McDonald's before. But it was just the way I reacted. I've been thinking about frustrating experiences with fast food, and I thought, my guess is that my experience was not unique. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. No, I'm not going to ask what the worst McDonald's is in the city. No, 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 That because this can happen. There's a lot, there's a lot of problems that go on at these fast food restaurants. My question is, what is the most frustrating thing that happens to you at a fast food restaurant? Is it they can't get the order right? 
for me, I admit it's go wait in, you know, go wait in that reserve parking space. Don't worry, we're not going to forget you, and they do forget you. Um, 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I know there's this move to say we, we've got to pay fast food workers $15 an hour or, or more. All right, I got to believe that this is one of these areas of intense frustration. I, I probably should have gone in and said, hey, you know, where, where's my chow? But by that time, I was done with it, and I really shouldn't have had these two anyways. So this was this screw-up was God's way of telling me, Jeff, Fran was right. You didn't need those two hamburgers and the French fries. 414-799-1620, the most typical frustrating experience for you in the fast food line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. And and just so you understand what's going on, this 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 vehicle that is now blocking all the northbound lanes of I-41-94 near Drexel, it's one of those those big carriers that brings new cars to a car dealer. I'm looking at a picture of it, and the thing, it's fully loaded. It's got like eight new cars on this. Now, Gru, can you and, and the cars are like scattered all hither and yon. Can you imagine? You know, you're one of the guys that ordered one of those vehicles. You're waiting for your car to be delivered. Hey, I'm I'm going over. To, I don't know what kind of car is there. I'm going over to the dealership to pick up my car. Well, sir, we've got something to tell you. The uh, car carrier flipped over, knocked over a construction barrier, and huh, yeah, that that that's that's your car. Drag it on the freeway there because they're kind of all over. Don't mean to minimize it. I'm just smiling, thinking. You know, you you can tell it's not your lucky day if you're waiting for one of those. One of those are the cars that you've purchased and you're getting uh, delivered. We'll continue to keep you up. Updated. Um, it's just every day it seems like it's a traffic mess. Okay, I didn't get my two hamburgers and French fries yesterday. I guess I really didn't need it, but at the same time, yeah, it gets frustrating. Don in Waterford. Don, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my yes, call. Yes, sir. So uh, my biggest gripe, I think, is when you get halfway down the road, um, you don't have napkins in the car. You yep. don't have any napkins in the bag. So. One thing that I actually do is the next time I dine in at these places, Culver's, McDonald's, etc., I actually load up a nice stockpile in my uh, glove yeah. compartment. So next time I need that barbecue sauce they forgot, I just reach in there and grab that. Yeah. And, uh, lastly, these people want fifteen bucks an hour. Well, that 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 is the no. Thanks for call. That's that is one of 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 the issues. Now maybe the argument is if you paid people fifteen dollars an hour, you could find people who. You know, are supposed to remember that, yeah, I'm supposed to put some napkins in there or I'm supposed to put some utensils in there or whatever. But I, I, I don't know that it would change any. 414-799-1620. All right, your pet peeve. Let's talk to Jeff in Fox Point. Hi, Jeff. Jeff, thanks for letting us vent. About two <laughs> That's years what this ago, is. This is venting, yes. Yeah. About two years ago, I was at a fast food restaurant I, when I was on a lunch break and really wanted to get back to work. And um, this guy right in front of me, who was wearing an ID tag from a certain area of business, made six separate orders, presumably for his coworkers. And it took me 25 minutes before I finally got my food and got out of there because of this guy. Yeah, that you know, it's interesting. I, I have a I have a text from somebody who says the same thing. I'm always the last guy in a long line of drive through customers where the car in front of me has five to six people all ordering separate orders rather than going inside or, or whatever. Yeah, it, it's not like... Okay, here, I'm going to take your orders. It's like I'm going to have to have all separate receipts for this instead of just figuring it out later on. Yep. yep. Yeah, sometimes it's almost like frustration roulette when you're in line. You know, right, exactly. I mean, no, thanks for calling. It's just like, now to me, again, it's, 
it, it is those dreaded words, could you please, you know, pull over there and we'll bring the food out to you. Uh, you know, not so much. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to uh, Dave in Waukesha. Hi, Dave. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Good. <clears throat> Two major pet peeves. Aside, given the fact that it's a crapshoot if you're going to even get your food right. Yes. Yeah, right. When the, right yeah. when the person in front of you is on their cell phone or, or looking down at their text or whatever, and the whole line is cleared out in front of them and they're not moving. Yep. <laughs> and everybody's backed up behind there. Yep. It's kind of like, really? And then when they get the ones that, that go through the drive through and order enough for like a, a party of 500. Right. I mean, it's yeah. like bags coming out left <laughs> and right. It's like, yes. really? You know, I right. mean. Right, yeah, it's supposed to be fast food, right? You know, I know exactly what you mean. You know, it's like it gets 10 separate orders here. Walk in and get it. Be considerate yeah, to the people exactly. that are behind you, yeah. But it's just the ones that don't that, that don't move, it's just frosty because they go right after the order station and they sit there and they're looking at their phone. Right. And, you know, you want to honk your horn and do all this kind of stuff. But I see everybody backed up behind me trying to order. Right, and everybody's going, well, you know, what's, what's going on here? No, thanks. No, I, I, I get that. That's... You know, I have that delay with at the ATMs too, where you know all you want to do is you want to get a little bit of money out of the, the the ATM, and the person in front of you, you swear they're trying to like open a bank account. It's like, all right, well first let, let's well, let's pull up, and then let's figure out what we're going to do. Let's kind of root through, you know, our and f- let's try to find the card. And oh no, that's not the right card. Let's put another one in. That pin number is not working. Let's kind of figure this out. You want to go? Come on, for goodness sakes, be ready. Let's talk to Louise in Brookfield. Louise, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Louise. Um, yeah, I w- I w- hi. I was on my way to work one morning, and um, I went through the drive-thru at McDonald's, and all I wanted was a hot tea. Yeah. By the time I um, drove away um, and looked at my hot tea, all I had was the hot water. <laughs> Oh, oh, come on, Louise, you're being, you know, really? You're going to complain yeah. about that? I mean, you, you, you did get the liquid, at least. One thing. It was one, one thing. Did you, yeah. did you go back? No, I never yeah. went back to that McDonald's. Right, and, and you didn't go back and say, hey, you didn't give me the tea bag, or you didn't give me the tea, oh, or... I- I had to go to work. Yeah, so, well, that's yeah. that's you know, but yeah, that's exactly it. I I understand that some people would say, well, you should go back, but it's got, I've, I've you know, I've got a life. I've already spent too much of my time. I, I'm never, I'm never going to get those ten minutes back of my life yesterday, and I wasn't going to turn it into twenty minutes. Now, thanks for the call. That's that that that's kind of it. And I, I'm by the way, I'm sympathetic to the the owners of these franchises, many of whom. You know, are very, very sensitive to this and care a lot about customer service, but, you know, there's only so much they can do. Ray, who is calling us from I-94. Hi, Ray. You're on WTMJ. Uh, yeah, stuck in this long line of uh, mess here. Where are you? Where in I-94 I are you? I am just south of, uh, it looks like Ross and Orion. Okay. And it's just, it's not even, bar- well, it's barely moving. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's, um, um, it's, it's no, n- don't take this the wrong way, but I think you're going to be there for a while. And I, I work at Miller Park, so I got got to be there for the game. Okay, <laughs> got it. Oh, okay, so your biggest pet peeve for fast food lines? All right, I go to a certain uh, one of the top three burger places uh, that begins with a W. How's that? Okay, got it. Sure. <laughs> and I order the same thing quite often. I, you know, those little double stacks. Yep. I like it just meat and onion. Right. right? It's got a unique taste. You meat and onion. I order that. I get. Everything but I get everything. <laughs> no onion. I get cheese. 
cheese and onion. I get just cheese. I get you name it. They and I have called their. I first I started with management. That didn't work. I call the district manager or the owners of these places. That didn't work. And I finally got corporate, and I said, what do I need to do? You tell me, because I am so frustrated I can't stand it. And it's to the point where I actually have to physically look at it now before I walk out the door. Yeah, take a bite. No, exactly. It's like, no, it's like... All right. What was the old thing on the one fast food thing? Like special orders don't upset us. Well, okay, it doesn't upset us because we can't get it right. All right, I'm out of time. John McCure in in just a minute. We'll find out what he's talking about, and we'll keep you updated on yet yeah, today's traffic mess.